Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That is me, as always. Uh, well, first off, welcome uh, to the program. If you're a newcomer and uh, you're just tracking down and uh, listening to the Pipeline Show for the first time, maybe this is your first episode or you're catching up with it after uh, a few years or something like that, coming back to the show, then uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to download the episode. Uh, let me know uh, what led you to the program, uh, how you uh, came around and found the Pipeline Show. I'm always intrigued to to uh, learn where new listeners are coming from. And if you're a returning listener, well, welcome back. As always, we start with the question of the week, and I put it up on Twitter only about uh, 10 minutes ago. This week's question is, who is the top goaltender available in the 2020 NHL draft who is not named Yaroslav Askarov? And how high, or meaning early, uh, would you be willing to select him? Uh, A few replies already in. Yoki Nevalainen suggests it's Joel Blomquist and says uh, in the second round. And Ryan Wagman uh, says Joel Blomquist, second round. Uh, Keppa says it's Dylan Garand from the uh, Kamloops Blazers. And uh, those are the early replies thus far. You can uh, get involved in the conversation. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Lots to get to. Uh, Of course, last week we had a couple of... uh, episodes that came out one was a world junior uh, recap and the other was a a chl trade deadline uh, show uh, after all the trades had gone down so we're uh, this week we're catching up getting back on track with uh, sort of more of a a regular uh, format for the show we'll go around some news and notes across the chl of course in the chl the big story was yesterday's uh, top prospect game Uh, personally i did not get a chance to watch it i was uh, tied up yesterday but just reading some of the recaps it was a a 5-2 win for team white Uh, ryan mckenna at sportsnet had a a nice write-up on on five players that he thought improved their stock with the way that they played he uh, singled out jack quinn from the ottawa 67s jeremy poirier of the st john sea dogs defenseman Uh, connor zary of the kamloops blazers Uh, casper puccio now with the everett silvertips and uh, Tyson Forster, who had a, a couple of goals in the game yesterday. Uh, but I didn't see the game myself. Uh, if you want to take a minute and, and let me know who impressed you, you can do that as well. Uh, I said 5-2. It was actually 5-3 the final. I apologize. Almost 5-2, but Dawson Mercer scored with uh, one second left in uh, regulation time. Uh, let's go to the uh, top 10 
in the CHL. The Ottawa 67s hold on to that number one spot. Sherbrooke is two, Portland three, followed by Shikudemi, the Edmonton Oil Kings, Moncton, Kamloops uh, jumps up from not being in the top ten to number seven. The Everett Silvertips uh, are get pushed down a spot to eight. Windsor and the Peterborough Peets close out the uh, top ten this week. Uh, coming into this weekend's play in the Canadian Hockey League, uh, leading scorers in the queue, Alexi Lafreniere continues to lead the league. He has 73 points, uh, but followed by his teammate Cedric Paré, who has 69. Uh, Igor Sokolov of the Cape Breton Eagles has 58. Xavier Simono has 57. And Alexander Hovanov of the Moncton Wildcats with 55. Uh, Samuel Avich uh, with uh, Sherbrooke is still the top goaltender in both the goals against and save percentage categories with Kevin Mandelisi of the Cape Breton Eagles in that number two spot in both categories as well. Skipping over to the Ontario Hockey League, and Marco Rossi uh, leads the OHL in scoring with 74 points. He is a five-point cushion right now on both Arthur Kaliev of Hamilton and Saginaw forward Cole Perfetti. Newly acquired Phil Tomasino with uh, Oshawa is next with 67, and Pavel Gogolev of the Guelph Storm has 66 points. And Nico Dawes continues to lead the OHL in both goals against average and save percentage. Also draft eligible, and we'll get to the uh, draft eligible uh, goaltenders while I mentioned that in the question of the day. In fact, before I get to the WHL scores, let's go back to that question of the day for a second. Uh, I was just looking at elite prospects, that, not the uh, ranking at elite prospects or at EP ringside, but... Uh, you go to the top of the uh, Elite Prospects page and you see the Draft Center button. You can click on that and it lists a, a, a number of players who are draft eligible this year, this year. And you can narrow it down by goaltender. Well, they've got 19 goalies listed. There's a couple that actually uh, aren't on NHL Central Scouting's list, which came out earlier this week. A couple of uh, European goaltenders, both of them Russians, that I'm curious about. Uh, Arter Aktyamov. Butchering that name, I'm sure, but uh, through 36 games has a 939 save percentage uh, playing a junior in Russia. And uh, Vesvolod Skotnikov, again, pronounced exactly correctly, I'm sure, with a 938 save percentage and a 140 goals against average after 26 games. Just numbers like that uh, grab my attention. And then you've got the CHL guys like Nico Dawes, who I mentioned, uh, and Dylan Garand. Uh, playing pretty well uh, uh, for the uh, Kamloops Blazers. Lots of hockey still to go, though, and I'm sure uh, other players will separate themselves. Uh, Devin Levi of the Carlton Place Canadians also with uh, intriguing numbers with a 941 save percentage. He's played 27 games for Carlton Place in the CCHL. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world, though. Just six feet tall, according to his bio at Elite Prospects. All right, let's continue on with the uh, WHL scoring leaders. Adam Beckman and Zane Franklin tied atop the uh, race at 66 points with Jimmy Hamlin hot on their heels. He has 64. Warren Santazo from Kamloops at 58. And Brett Kemp of the Medicine Hat Tigers, former Edmonton Oil King, uh, has 56 points for the Tigers. Uh, Joel Hofer is the top goalie with the best goals against average, dead on at 2.0. Shane Farkas uh, is now up to second at with a 2.11 goals against. Dustin Wolf is third at 2.13. Now, when it comes to goals, or save percentage, rather, it's Dustin Wolf who's in first with a 9.33, Joel Hofer, 9.32, and Farkas with a 9.32. So 
Uh, pretty impressive. And Sebastian Costa, the 17-year-old with the Oil Kings, appears in the top five in both categories as well. The natural step from the CHL for uh, most players is U-Sports. Uh, the standings as we get into this weekend uh, out in OUA East, Carlton, uh, the Ravens of Carlton, still first place in the uh, conference with a record of 18-3-1, followed by UQTR, the Ottawa GGs, uh, McGill, and then uh, it tails off after that, Ontario Tech, Concordia, Queens, Nipissing, RMC, and Laurentian in that order. In OUA West, you have Toronto still leading the pack, followed by Ryerson, Guelph, and Windsor, and then it's Brock, Lakehead, Waterloo, Laurier, Western, and York down at the bottom, just five wins on the season so far for York. On the East Coast, it's uh, UNB now uh, pulling ahead of Acadia. St. Mary's is third in the conference with uh, Moncton fourth, St. FX, UPEI, and Dalhousie at the bottom of the conference. But uh, UNB on fire here. They've won six in a row. Always dangerous are the Varsity Reds. And in Canada West, uh, the University of Alberta continue to lead the conference, 34 points. Saskatchewan, the Huskies, and the Calgary Dinos are tied for second with 30 points. Identical 14-4-2 records. And uh, Mount Royal has uh, 24 points. Uh, they've lost a couple in a row. I believe they were uh, taking on the Golden Bears last weekend. Uh, south of the border, uh, North Dakota falls from their number one ranking. Oh, actually, they're now caught by Cornell. It's a tie. According to the USCHO poll for this week, Cornell with 21 first-place votes, North Dakota with 17 first-place votes, but uh, you know, with the second and third places of votes, it all kind of comes out. They both have identical 956 points in the voting process. Listen, polls really don't mean a whole lot. Uh, so you've got Cornell and North, North Dakota tied for top spot. Minnesota State, number three. Denver is four with Boston College, five. Now six through ten go Penn State, Clarkson, Minnesota, Duluth, Ohio State, and Massachusetts, and 11 through 20 is like this. Providence, Northeastern, UMass Lowell, Arizona State, Bowling Green, Harvard, Northern Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan Tech, Michigan State, followed by Quinnipiac. The Hobie Baker list, uh, the initial uh, Hobie Baker list came out earlier this week, and I mean, it's, it's that one where all the schools kind of uh, nominate their players. I think there's 80 guys in the initial the initial round of the Hobie Baker. This is where the fans can vote. And then it gets narrowed down to 10 finalists. Uh, but a number of them are Canadian. I, I didn't uh, break it down completely yet, but uh, some of the notables, uh, Ian Mitchell from Denver and, and uh, uh, Morgan Barron from Cornell. But I'll uh, break it down and see how many Canadians uh, made the initial round of Hobie Baker nominations. Uh, that's the news and notes uh, portion of the show. Going to get to the guest list here momentarily, uh, but I'm going to tell you that all the guests now are going to join me via the Troubled Monk hotline, uh, Troubled Monk Brewery that's based in Red Deer, a uh, new partner of the show, been a big supporter of uh, their products. Uh, haven't ha been able to take advantage of the entire uh, menu of uh, brews that Troubled Monk has to offer, but the ones I've uh, tried are fantastic, uh, and I can tell you which ones exactly those are. I've had the Golden Gates, and I've had the Pesky Pig, uh, and there's two that are available. Rebels Red I've had in Red Deer uh, at Rebels Games, I believe, 
the first time that I, I did color for uh, Cam Moon down in Red Deer, that was the one. A Troubled Monk is a sponsor of the Rebels too, and they uh, Mooners got a bit at the uh, in, during the post game show where they crack open a a brew from Troubled Monk, and uh, the first time I did color for Mooner, that was the one that we had, delicious. And the uh, most recent one, uh, Mooner actually came up to Edmonton, and I did color for him here, and he brought some Troubled Monk along with him, uh, so that we could do it again on the post game show on the road. And it was the uh, Daycation uh, Lager. And that one was fantastic. Really enjoyed that one. But I am intrigued to try a couple of the others. Uh, the Bucktooth Belgian White sounds delicious. And I like the uh, description for the Open Road American Brown Ale. You can go to uh, their website. That would be troubledmonk.com. And they have a nice write-up on uh, all the different and various brews. And, of course, if you're in Red Deer... You should stop by the tap room as well because they have a, a, a bigger menu of what's available, stuff you can only get at the tap room, and you can even get a tour of the brewery by request. And one thing I wasn't aware of, I asked if uh, if they had a uh, a mixer pack, a taster pack, and they do, so I'm going to be picking that up here in uh, short order so I can give a couple of those other ones that I haven't had yet uh, that I can give them a try. And one there was also uh, they do a, a an iced tea, a hard iced tea, uh, troubled tea. And I have only heard good things about. So I'm not a huge uh, hard iced tea guy, but uh, I definitely want to give it a shot. If you've tried any of them, let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter again at TPS underscore Gee. But uh, welcome to Troubled Monk uh, to the Pipeline Show. And uh, all of my guests will be joining us via uh, the Troubled Monk hotline. And the guests that you're going to hear this week, great lineup of guests. Uh, Bill Wilms is going to join us for our uh, Dub Network in the Dub segment. Color Alice with the Vancouver Giants uh, talking exclusively about the BC division. But man, there is lots to talk about when it comes to that division this year. So Bill Wilms is going to join us. Then we're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight uh, for a couple of segments in a row. Dylan Holloway, a uh, top 10 potential for the upcoming 2020 NHL draft. He's a freshman at Wisconsin, but is a Canadian. In fact, he's an Albertan, played in Okotoks for a couple of years in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and has played for Canada at the U18 and uh, at the Holinka Gretzky Cup as well. Really talented uh, skater. Hasn't been putting up the numbers, I think, that uh, most people expected this year, but we talk about that in uh, that segment. You'll hear that in the second segment today. The next player is, his name is Blake Biondi. He's uh, playing, he's playing high school hockey his senior year in his hometown of uh, Hermantown, Minnesota. He is a recruit of the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, uh, and his WHL rights are currently held by the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, so had to pick his brain about that and what he thinks about uh, if he even considers coming up to the WHL. Blake Biondi is ranked number 91 right now by NHL Central Scouting. And we'll close out the show today with a U-Sport update. Uh, Keanu Yamamoto, and yes, that is Kyler Yamamoto's uh, older brother, he is now in his third season at McGill University out in Montreal. So you have a, an American who played in the WHL who is uh, using his WHL scholarship package uh, and uh, taking it all the way to uh, play in Quebec. And you want to talk about some culture shock. You, would, you can expect there to be a fair share of that for Keanu Yamamoto. But a really good WHLer, put up big numbers, and is uh, the second leading scorer right now uh, for McGill. So full slate of guests, my CHL insider obviously will be Bill Wilms, and that is brought to you by the store next door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, hiring people 
with disabilities manufacturing some great products. What they do is they collect as many broken hockey sticks as they can get their hands on and uh, they make some really cool products out of it, whether it's games or hockey-related products. And the, I, I'm going to... I'm at their website right now, and you can go to their website. It's thestorenextdoor.ca, and you can see some of the games that they make. And they they're they're all board games and stuff. Great for uh, you know camping or family vacations or or family reunions when everybody gets together in the summer and stuff like some really cool stuff. Uh, and then you know, with their uh, furniture, where they are they're taking the broken hockey sticks and making it into stuff you can get like uh, deck chairs and. Uh, they got a trophy rack here and uh, tables, TV trays, things like that, a coffee table, a headboard for uh, a bed. That would look great in a, in a kid's room. Benches, bulletin boards, lots of really cool items that uh, they put together and uh, using broken hockey sticks to do it. So that stuff doesn't go in the landfill, so that's really cool. Uh, check them out at the thestorenextdoor.ca. I was checking out Pro Stock Hockey's uh, website here as well, and they just got a new a batch of uh, products, uh, this time from the Washington Capitals. Pants and skates and apparel. And any sticks that you get from Pro Stock Hockey that come with a 30-day warranty, you get three free rolls of tape included with that as well. So check them out at ProStockHockey.com. But let's get on with the show and my CHL Insider. It's also an in-the-dub segment. Bill Wilms, uh, the color analyst for the Vancouver Giants. That kicks off the show next. Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper, what a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Another weekend packed with WHL Hockey Action wraps up this Sunday afternoon at 4. As your Edmonton Oil Kings take on the Medicine Hat Tigers at Rogers Place. Don't forget to throw on your green and black for this third jersey game. Don't miss your shot to see the Oil Kings live. Oil Kings, Tigers, the puck drops Sunday at 4. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Back on The Pipeline Show for a uh, WHL segment. And, of course, that means it's a, another in-the-dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stop, stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. You can uh, subscribe to the uh, Daily Dose of the Dub. It gets emailed right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Couldn't be any easier than that. Always a pleasure when I get to speak with my next guest, Bill Wilms, the uh, color analyst for the Vancouver Giants. Welcome back to the program, Bill. How are you? I'm uh, good. Thanks for having me. In fact, I'm quite good, but uh, outside is not very nice. Yeah. Um, doesn't happen very often, but we got hammered right now with probably about six to eight inches of snow where I live. So, uh, you know, Guy, for me, the, the criteria on, uh, on snow and whether to shovel is, uh, is, is, you know, we need rain. And my criteria is golf courses. I drive by a golf course, like my club, 
And if the flags are in the hole, which they usually keep them in the hole with all the snow on the ground, that means the superintendent knows there's probably rain coming pretty quick um, because it melts that fast. But if the flags are out of the holes, uh, I know we're in for quite a long spell of snow. I haven't checked, but I plan on this afternoon. Man, spoken like a Vancouverite uh, when it comes to snow, (laughs) that's for sure. Golf courses. We're not even thinking of golf courses right now in my neck of the woods for at least another three months. Uh, you got the snow, we've got the cold. It is uh, yeah. rather chilly here. Um, the only thing colder than the weather here is uh, my preseason predictions. Uh, how's that for a segue? <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> when, we, uh, when I'm talking about the Vancouver Giants and the Victoria Royals, uh, listen, I had the Giants. I said I think they might still be the best team in the division. They got so much returning uh, experience now that they can build on from last year's run, especially they get Bowen Byram back. And I looked at the Royals. I didn't see a whole lot there, and it's completely the opposite. Right now the Victoria mm-hmm. Royals are on a bit of a roll and are second in the division. And some for some reason the Giants are you know in the first wild card spot right now in the BC division, fourth uh, just in the uh, in BC. How did I get this so wrong, Bill? Or is everybody surprised? Yeah, no, Gee, that's uh, that, that's a very fair um, expectation, if you will. You know, you go back to Game Seven of overtime in Prince Albert. Uh, Vancouver started the season with twelve of those players that were in that game uh, in the lineup uh, for Vancouver, uh, which which is, you know, which is terrific. Uh, Nielsen, Roman, sort of. Uh, Valenti, the Euro, Patrician, Svekoski, and then, and then on top of that, all the returning defensemen. You got five of six re- defense returning. Um, you know, so when you're looking at that, plus the two goaltenders, and the only team in the Canadian Hockey League that has both goalies NHL draft picks. So, you know, you've got six pretty good forwards returning. You've got, uh, your defense pretty much intact, let alone you got the best defenseman probably in the Canadian Hockey League in Bowen Byram. Um, and, uh, you know, it uh, it looked promising. It, it really it really did. How could it not be? Right. But, you know, the, the, the added forwards that you had to add to that mix that I talked about coming back um, were inexperienced. They weren't necessarily really young. They were as much inexperienced as they were young. And there was some optimistic, you know, really a lot of optimism there, if you will. But, you know, what happened, Guy, within probably four months, maybe three and a half months of that game seven and the season starting, and you get into the season, you realize, you know, hey, Dawson Holt, Owen Hardy, Jared Dimitri, one line, Mm -hmm. not there. Uh, Braden Watts, Davis Kosh, Jaden Joseph, another line, not there. Now, obviously, they aged out, and decisions had to be made about 20-year-olds. The long and the short of that is that all six of them aren't in that lineup. And, that you know, when you go back to the Holt-Hardy-Dimitri line, I just want to say this. They were a plus 35 in the playoffs. Mm. That was a line that was heavy. That was a line that did so much for Vancouver. And uh, all of a sudden you realize, well, wait a minute, you know, three and a half months later, Vancouver's missing some pretty good, some pretty good players that were very, very important to this hockey club. And the inexperienced forwards that I just 
talked about, you know, they just couldn't pick up the, couldn't pick up the slack. Right. They couldn't take the next step. So Vancouver essentially, you know, became a, maybe a one line, maybe a two line top six forwards. And, uh, you know, and that all of a sudden you got a team where the coaching staff and management and ownership is all of a sudden saying, Hey, we're in the middle of the pack. We're not supposed to be there. Yeah, and those young forwards you're talking about coming in, guys like Zach Ostapchuk, I mean, he's young. He's very young. He's going to be good, but he's young, and Cruz Plummer even younger. Um, so, Or maybe not younger, but um, equally inexperienced, and expectations are they'll be solid WHLs, but I guess we got to be patient. Yeah, you know, Evan Patrician, another one. Uh, he was one of the guys that, that, you know, played in that playoff series. And, um you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think they're going to be good players, but again, uh, as I said, you know, missing the, the six key forwards like that was, you know, kind of took its toll on, on this, uh, on this team. And all of a sudden, like I said, you find yourself in the middle of pack, but you know, and and then on top of that, when you take a look at, let's call it the bottom six, you know, the stress that was put on them because we can't I don't I don't think you can win on this in this league with 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 two lines yeah I've seen teams you know as long as I've been in this league they they can win with two lines but boy that doesn't happen very often you have to have you know at least a third line then your fourth line has to be very very important to your hockey club and so there was some stress on those young guys in Vancouver here at early in the season of playing you know maybe playing higher in the lineup you know than than maybe that they should and consequently, you know, they, they've addressed that. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, Barkley Pernet has done a nice job of of getting two forwards that slot into the top six immediately. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Prezuso, a 20-year-old from Medicine Hat, and just recently at the deadline, Eric Floor checked the 19-year-old from Saskatoon. Those, those two guys immediately slot into the top six. Now, I wondered and wondered at trade deadline whether there was going to be one more trade coming where you get one more guy into that top six. Now that bounces guys down a little bit and they start playing at a spot, um, you know, where they, where they probably are a little bit more comfortable. And then, you know, Guy obviously probably as big a factor, you know, the inexperience that we're just talking about is a power play for Vancouver. That's just been, I mean, would you, would anybody have thought that a power play with Bowen Byram on it's going to be 22 out of 22 teams. Yeah, no, no chance of that. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm not putting the blame on him, but right. just that, that that's essentially. I mean, quite the contrary. I mean, how can you put any blame on him? But that that's that's what's happened here. So we don't know what trades were close to being consummated and just fell through or just ran out of time. Uh, but Eric Florchuk is the the deadline addition for Vancouver. Uh, do you think maybe they they just Look at the standings and say, all right, maybe we're not contending for top spot in the division. Let's just ride it out, add a piece, uh, and maybe get a, uh, a little veteran help. But uh, don't go all in this year. Wow, that's a that's a great question, and that's a dilemma that that Vancouver faced um, at you know even at and are facing at at this point. Um, they made the moves. Um, you know, I mean, they would they play. 13 games, I think, or 10 games, 10 games with a bull and Byram. So he's now back. They score 20 goals without him in the lineup. Hmm. Okay. You know, that's, two, you know, two goal, two goals a game. And, and, you know, this is like adding a, you know, another player 
maybe at a trade de- deadline, you might want to say a blockbuster. I, I mean, for Vancouver, everything, you know, is starting now, as it is for most teams. Okay. The, they start at, after the trade deadline. Um, you know, I've always said that the parts of the season start with the preseason, you know, then the regular season, you know, and then after the trade deadline and then playoffs and then Memorial cup, if you get there. And, and I think scouts, um, you know, kind of look at it pretty much the same way that those, you know, those are the impact parts of the season that you're looking at, but get back to this power play for a minute, you know, um, 22 out of 22. Now they did get two power play goals the other night and, and Florchuk was in, in, in on both of them. Here's the situation. Last year on Vancouver's power play, Davis Kosh had 26 power play assists. Now, I don't care how good your blue line is on the power play, and it's dynamite with Bowen Byram on that spot. And it was very good with Dylan Plouffe there, too. Uh, ultimately, you have to have a forward, and this is my opinion, you have to have a forward on that power play down low that can make that sneaky uh, no look, somehow pass it, finds a guy wide open to finish, right. or at least finds a guy open to get that great chance. Um, Davis Kosh, 26 power play assists. Eric Florchuk now has seven power play assists, and he leads Vancouver Giant forwards in that category. So he, the next closest guy's got five. Mm. Now, they've got finishers. You know, you, you've got... Nielsen was having a heck of a year. You got Roman. Roman had 17 power play goals last year. He has two. Um, and you got sort of. There's no lack of finishers. If if they can get this power play working, you know, they probably, I'm going to say they could have added probably five or six more wins, you know, with any kind of a power play. Yeah. So, you know, it's a huge positive moving forward in that category too. And they've got structure. This is a team, Michael Dick, you know, they, they, uh, they're they tough to play against many nights. Their goals against is fifth in the Western Hockey League. They got they, they got some offense now that maybe it can make a difference. Bill Wilms is my guest. We're talking WHL, specifically the BC division. Now, Vancouver, maybe I expected too much from, and I didn't expect near enough, I guess, from the Victoria Royals. What a year uh, they've had to this point. And then they go and make the biggest deadline deal to get Braden Tracy um, are you surprised with the with the success the Royals have had to this point this year? Uh, yeah, no, I, I got to be honest, I, I am. Um, and I see Victoria probably more as much as any team, you know, broadcast wise because they're in our division, right? And we play them, I think, ten times, so I get to see them a lot. But Cam Hope, the general manager, I his philosophy has always been to replace rather than rebuild. And if you take the last two seasons, you know as well as anybody, uh, there's no more Matt Phillips or Tyler Soy, Dante Hanoon, Noah Greger, Tanner Kaspik, Scott Walford, Griffin Outhouse. But you come in with Gary Hayden, Will Warm, Shane Farkas, you know, now Braden Tracy, and you say, wait a minute, how did a team, you know, that you know, that was, what were they, 18th in, in, in uh, goals for a couple of years ago to second in goals against. Now it's it's the opposite. 
you know, they're, they're much better. They're in the top two or three goals for or goals against. And, you know, they're not that high goals scoring. And I took a look at these guys that they've acquired in the last couple of years that I've talked about. They've played 900 plus games with other teams. Mm. So Cam Hope is saying, you know what, I'll replace, you know, we, uh, you know, we'll just simply get other guys in here that, you know, can, can, uh, you know, they can help our hockey club, but they're very, very hard to play against. They've got a tremendous structure on that hockey club. In fact, let me tell you, seven, currently, seven of their last nine games that they've played, okay, seven of the nine, they've given, one, given up one goal against or less. They've given up one goal five times, and they've, been, they've shut out the team twice. Yeah. And I think Cam Hope has looked and said, you know what? This team is committed. This team has got structure. If we had a piece or two, you know, we can give them a little bit more offense. And uh, and Tracy has been obviously that guy. And what did he score in overtime his first game he played, I yeah. think? Yeah, first or second game. Yeah, and really, I mean, they don't give up a lot of goals, only 100 goals against this year. I think only Portland is uh, allowed fewer. But they don't score much. Go. They don't score much, though. I mean, even Tri-City, who is on the outside of the playoff picture right now, have scored more than Victoria, uh, and Victoria's second in the BC division. Um, so they're not, uh, they're not giving away anything, but they needed to add a score, and they did with, uh, with Braden Tracy. So, uh, Victoria looking, looking pretty good right now. Well, Guy, that, that transformation that you're just talking about, you know, from, a, I don't want to say they were ever really run and gun, but, I'll tell you what, they were very, very highly offensive. Yes. I used to say there was no team in the league that was more unselfish around the opposing net than a Matt Phillips or a Tyler Soy or a Dante Hanoon. You know, they just came at you, snuck in at different different parts around the net, and they were very, very unselfish, and they passed that puck. So that transformation from, from what you're saying to where they are now, you, you got to give Dan Price an awful lot of credit. The third season – that he's in the league. Uh, he's lost in round two, both of his last two years, which isn't bad. And it's, it's part of my old theory. I always three things. And it's the same in the NHL. You got to draft. Well, you got to develop. Well, you got to trade well. And I, I think Victoria has done that exceptionally well. And, uh, to your point earlier, I didn't, did you see, I didn't see that coming. Nope. I didn't see that transformation taking place. And then that you you add Tracy and you've got Shane Carcass who's just having a super tremendous year in goal for that hockey club and I think everybody would have said no I don't think Victoria is that high in the mix this year and they surprised everybody so far so far now the top team in the division are the Kamloops Blazers and uh, I think everybody did expect that they would be very good this year and they've uh, maybe even exceeded those what were already lofty expectations this is a uh, a mighty fine team isn't it isn't it well. You know, and it all started with momentum that they picked up at the end of last season. I think it was the last five games in a row that they won that got them into the playoff tiebreaker. So th- that's some serious momentum to to get into the tiebreaker. And then they 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 win that tiebreaker five one against Kelowna. And gee, a lot of people don't put a a lot of uh, value on preseason. Uh, I did with Kamloops. I wondered how that those last five games and then the tiebreaker win, how would they go into the season with a new coach, John Clouston? Well, their preseason, they went seven and oh, 
So now you've got that momentum from, you know, continuing to build up. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of those preseason games, they were like crazy good. I mean, the 16-year-old Stan Colvin kid got like six games. I think he he got 15 or something points. And then they carried that right over into the regular season. And, and to your point, look look where they are now. I mean, the top line in the Canadian Hockey League, Zary, Santazzo, and Franklin, I think they got 180 points. Mm-hmm. There's no team and no uh, line in the in the CHL that, that I know. I, I know there isn't anybody that's got the 20 goal scorers at this point that that Kamloops has. And, you know, they add another Z to the lineup, Lieber Zabransky, and I don't know if there's any team got more Zs on the players' <laughs> names than this guy, but that's a great pick. And you put him with Max Martin and, you know, add him together with what they have. And, and then the goaltending, you know, Grand's been pretty good for them. Uh, they've been very – and and you know what? They have got – Vancouver. Vancouver's, you know, been – they played Vancouver well, and they played Cam or Kelowna exceptionally well. And that's been a real another momentum booster for the Kamloops Blazers. But yeah, they they are where they are, and and rightfully so. I I would have to say they would have been my pick for first place preseason pick in the BC division. Well, I had them right there with Vancouver, but I think I had the Giants ahead of them. But uh, I look foolish. I look foolish now, and not for the uh, last time, I'm sure. You mentioned uh, Kelowna. Let's go to the Rockets. They are hosting the Memorial Cup this year. So many expectations of what they were going to transform that roster, uh, what it would look like uh, from the start of the season. By the time the deadline had come and gone, and yes, they absolutely made a lot of moves this year. In your opinion, Bill, you've been uh, around the CHL for a very long time. Is this a Memorial Cup contending team? Well, that's the million-dollar question right now. Um, you know, their, their goal differential, 21 wins, seven, 21, 17 is what they are in the season. I mean, that's only four games really over 500. They've lost three times in, in overtime, you know, in, in the shootout in, in OT, uh, you know, their goals against is fourth in the BC division. And, and, and that's for me concerning. I like the moves, um, that they made. I really do. I, I had an opportunity to talk to Bruce Hamilton when we were in there one time. And I said, you know what? I, I, I think he's done a wonderful job in the, in the talent that he, he, he uh, he's acquired via trades. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, good, maybe even great players, but how they fit into the system is always a question mark. You know, and I don't say this disparagingly, you, you can be good players, but are you good teammates? And when I say teammates, I don't mean to your partner. I mean, are you good in, in the system? Right. And for me, there's always some key guys out of the lineup for Kelowna. Comrie, you know, he's hurt. Novak, you know, great rookie from from Europe. Eight-game mm-hmm. suspension. Nolan Foote at the World Junior. You know, I think Matthew Wedman took a couple of weeks before he, he, he came to Kelowna. I mean, there's always something there that isn't, you know, that just doesn't yet feel completely right. And, and their yeah. goaltending, D, I mean, back-to-back games, they had to go to the bullpen in back-to-back games. Bajram for Schwebius. And the, and the next game was the other way around. you got to solidify that, you know, definitely. And here's the thing that's a, a red flag for me. But, again, everything is different moving forward from the trade deadline. Right now – Kelowna Rockets, get this, are in a 15-game stretch where they have one regulation win. Wow. Now, they're getting, they're getting something in overtime. They're getting something in shootouts. 
I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it's going to turn around a little bit for him. It has to. And obviously, I mean, God forbid that uh, there's in any way, shape or form, it, they go in any kind of a tailspin where they miss the playoffs. I, I would highly, highly doubt that would happen, but that's job number one is to make sure you get in the playoffs and, you know, get some more momentum you know, going through that. How do you like the Rockets? Well, I, I don't get to see them as nearly as much as you do, and, and we'll see what uh, the difference makes uh, with getting Kyle Topping back. I think he's supposed to be back fairly soon. But, you know, Dylan Hamlock I expected more from, and, and, and again, I can't critique him because I, I don't get to see the Rockets play all that much, but I think he had a three- or four-point night on opening night, and he's only got 18 points now uh, uh, for the rest of the season here. Um, so I'm a bit surprised that that trade hasn't produced at least more uh, offensively from him. I mean, Jake Lee is outscoring uh, Dylan Hamilton and he's the defenseman. So, you know, I, I really uh, like what you said about, you know, a lot of players, but it's how they come together to make a team. And I guess I'm still waiting for Kelowna to, to click on all, you know, get all cylinders firing at the same time. Well, and, and you know, I, I do think that, uh, and, and by the way, you know, Adam Foote, coach, says that he he think he loves the culture in the room. He says these guys really like each other. This he says it's a good group. He's very very confident about uh, about his his group moving forward. And I mean, they you know they've been there. They've hosted the Memorial Cup and and they've been to the Memorial Cup. And I I think they know. Uh, you know, you go back to you know I I mean I was fortunate enough to even cover that series when Drysital joined. Right. Um, you know, the, the Kelowna Rockets. And was it Reed Gardner from, you know, Bruce Hamilton got him out of pro hockey, the American hockey. Team. Right. You know, and ultimately it, it, it has to come together. And so there is some experience of, of, of doing that. And, you know, even the, the last pickup, you know, I don't know. Were you surprised they didn't do a little more at the trade deadline? I mean, they picked up Patera. Is it Patera? Yeah. Pederick. Yeah, from, out of Calgary. From, from out of Calgary. Now that basically, to me, said we, you know, they've closed the door on uh, Lassie Thompson returning from Finland. Well, sure. And, you know, I think they really hoped that after the World Junior that it, they would get him back, and you know that would have been a big, big help to them. So, uh, did you think they, you know, were you thinking they might make more of a, a move at the deadline? Well, I thought they might do something in net, and you know, they got Connor McDonald from Edmonton to add offense from the blue line. And I think he's fit in there and they got, Matthew Wed- he they, has. they got Matthew Wedman from Seattle. So they added another impact offensive uh, weapon up front. I, I wondered if they would do something in net. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't see the Rockets near enough to know, but with uh, Bazarin and, and uh, Schwebius, uh, I, I don't know if there's a weakness there or if it was, you know, just a lot of injuries to the team that they were struggling but I didn't know from the uh, the outside looking in if this was a tandem that could win them a Memorial Cup. Yeah, yeah, well said. Because that that I think, and I said this on our broadcast too. I said I don't know if there's any position that's been under more scrutiny for the first up until the trade deadline than uh, Roman Bashrein in goal. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I mean, you take a look at uh, you know is is say I'm a big save percentage. So guy. Am I. I, yeah. I, I you too. Yeah, so am I. And and nine fifteen isn't bad. Yeah, exactly. It, it's exactly right. And and that's why I thought, you know, they probably didn't address particularly concern. Although you take a look at their team goaltending is nine oh four, and you know I I think that teams that you know when you when you take a look at teams like Prince Albert and 
you know, teams that have come out of the Western Hockey League generally, you know, when you're taking a look at team goaltending, especially in, in, in the playoffs, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's got to be, a, you know, a little bit higher. I mean, Ian Scott was so good for Prince Albert in the playoffs. And, you know, you've got to deliver that. You, you, you've got to be up around that nine, close to nine, two or into, you know, nine, two, zero save percentage. And, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is, is Bajran, the, Bajran, the guy, I, you know, they've, that's who they're going with. Yeah. Well, and to your point, I mean, Shane Farkas is a 932 right now in Victoria and Tendex a 921 in Vancouver. And that's with a, a team that's kind of underachieved maybe, uh, with the, mm-hmm. with the Giants and, and, uh, Dylan Garand is, is a, or a 920 as well. Um, so yeah. So even the, the other goalies in the division have been, uh, better than, uh, than Bazarin. And you, you need goaltending in the playoffs for sure. Well, yeah, you, you, you do. And, and, uh, you know, there's, it's always surprising to me how there's been teams in the past that have gone, you know, been fortunate and had a, you know, I think Don Hay years ago in, in Camels even had a 16 year old goaltender going in the playoffs and, and, and they went with it. Uh, 17 is still rather exceptional. I mean, it, at this stage, most of the teams want a 19 or certainly a 20 year old goaltender with some experience. So, but you know, the whole team will really be. Kelowna Rockets will be under the microscope moving, you know, forward. I, I, I just, yeah, I'm a big guy on identity. You know, I, I'm a, I really believe that a team coming into your building, especially, or when they're playing you for that matter, even on the road, they've got to be concerned about something. You know, if, if, if you don't have an identity that the other team says, well, wait a minute, this is who they are. It, it's a little tougher to win. You can run and gun and out score some, some teams and so on and so forth. So it, it's a little tougher. Like, you know, with Bo and Byram went back to Vancouver for a minute. I mean, he is, a, he's often the face of his hockey club, certainly from the back end and the way he drives it. And, and I've heard there's been some, some teams that have done a video pack scouting Vancouver just on Byram alone. Um, you know, what does he do in his own zone? What does he do between the blue lines? And what does he do in the other team's zone? And, you know, other teams are tough and other teams are physical. And I mean, you got to have an identity. And I'm not 100% sure yet what it is with the Kelowna Rockets. It, um, it, it hasn't jumped out at me. And the numbers at this point, you know, whether it's goals against, goals for, power play, stats, those numbers just don't do anything for me to suggest that there's a lot there that you, you want to, you, you got to be a, very prepared for, yeah. but you know, I, I hope for their sake and I hope for the, you know, for the Western hockey league sake that it does all come together. I won't be surprised if it does. There's, there's a lot, a lot of talent on that hockey. Uh, maybe we'll end it with the Prince George Cougars and it might not take very long because there's not a lot to talk about there. And, and I remember uh, speaking with uh, Mark Lamb at the start of the year. And I mean, he wasn't even trying to sugarcoat it. He, I think he knew it was going to be a long season and, yeah, they are in last place uh, here in the uh, the Western Conference. And when you talk about identity, what is the identity of the Cougars moving forward? They're they're hard, again, if, if nothing else, be very hard to play against. You know, uh, be be a team that you know if if they're close after forty minutes, that you can possibly uh, that they could possibly sneak a win out of you. You know, they can. It's like in basketball, you know, as long as they stick around and stick around, they'll kill you with a three-pointer at the end of the game. And and the Cougars, you cannot, you cannot take them for granted. I, <laughs> I'll i give you, a, to make my point, uh, 
I have a, an intern that works with us on our radio broadcast and I have them do some stats for me. And, and you know what? They're not, they're not really that familiar with the league and nor should they be. They don't see it enough, but right. the Cougars were in Vancouver. And I said, you know what? I need, I need something here for, I forget what I wanted to ask him it was something about their offense, you know, the Cougars offense, give me shots on goal or scoring chances from where are their scoring chances happening in the Vancouver giant zone. And he says, Oh, come on. And Prince George, they're going to be no problem. They won't get many. I says, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I've been in this thing a long time. Anyway, long and short, Cougars won that game three nothing, hmm. and uh, you know I it, it is a team you got to prepare for. But you know, once you get past Josh Mazur, you know he's he leads that team. I thought for sure, if I had to put money on it, that Cole Moberg was probably as a defenseman going to be moved. I thought he would be a super good piece. You know, you know, for somebody as a, as a nineteen year old to to add something on the back end, but no, yeah, no changes made, but woefully weak scoring wise. And, you know, they don't get it much. I mean, once you get past Mazer, I don't know if there's any other forward. You got to be very much concerned about with offense. Actually, I just looked at it here right now. You go from Mazer at 18 goals, the next highest scoring forward has got six. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, figure it out. What, uh, what do you have to do? But they're, they're, they'll play you hard. They'll be a tough out many nights. You'll get them out, but it'll be hard. Well, Bill, uh, with a couple of months left to go in the regular season, I guess jockeying for position for the most part in the BC division. Uh, maybe lastly, real quick with uh, the the U.S. division, what you've seen. I mean, are is I, again Portland? It's a team that it's exceeding my expectations, but uh, they're having a pretty strong season. Do you see any of the U.S. teams catching them? No, no, I don't. I I, I think the the team to watch, obviously, right now in in. I, I think I was told at one point a while back they are now the youngest team in the Western Hockey League is Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, you know they're 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 making a strong push. In fact, you know they I don't know what they've won in their last ten or twelve games, but it seems like every time I check scores, Seattle Thunderbirds are getting some kind of a point yeah. of some sort. Of, you know, out of out of a game. Uh, Tri City's going the other way with uh, you know with the Cougars probably out of it at this point. So um, I think Seattle is a is is a pretty good you know a pretty good uh, story right now in in what they're doing. But you know the the U.S. division, hey, Tri City has been sellers. They're you know they're not. What I guess I'm trying to say is that any team, and I, I've learned this more than anything, there is no free wins in the Western Hockey League. There just isn't. And you you just don't go into a game thinking, you know what, here's an easy two points. It'll come back to bite you for sure. What it I mean, take a look at Everett. Haven't they lost the last two games and lost them pretty big? Yeah. I mean they've they you know, they've given up I think eleven goals in the last two games. Yeah, they added at the deadline. You expected that uh, that offense was gonna propel them uh, even more forward but uh you know another big injury for them with uh, uh jenny fairbrother out now yeah yeah and and they're they're two defensemen i i mean last thing real quick when whenever i watch everett and or, or playing everett um i i take a look at two guys that that last year had this had the com they, they had the most shots on goal in the league for def for for any defenseman and, and, you know, that was, uh, you know, Wyatt Wiley and Jake Christensen. Yeah. 
I mean, I would never have thought, and I go back five, six years ago to the Kevin Constantine era and, and some of those coaches when everything was trap and everything was, you know, all defense, defense. And I look and I think there's two defensemen that drive that every team. I mean, they'll move into the top of the face-off circle. Those two guys I'm talking about, they'll drive into the top of the face-off circles and the other team's end and get shots on goal. And then the other guys go to work and, 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 you know, salvage junk around the net, you know, and uh, find rebounds and find that garbage. But, boy, don't ever sell their offense short. They're a heck of a good team that generates a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's Portland, I think, you know, the, the class of the, the U.S. division. Excellent. Bill, always a treat when I get a chance to chat with you. Uh, and looking forward to doing it again uh, as the playoffs get a lot closer. Yeah, well, if I could hang on another 15 minutes, it would delay my shoveling 15 more minutes. <laughs> I'm not going to shovel. I've been here long enough in Vancouver that I'm looking at the sky for rain. People say it rains a lot in Vancouver. Trust me, we're just dying for rain now. I don't want sun. Sun will get it colder, freezes the snow more, becomes hard. You get ice. Rain. Please bring us some rain. Thanks, Keith, for having me. You betcha. Thanks, Bill. Bye-bye. There is the one and only Bill Wilms. Always a, a pleasure to have uh, Bill on the show. Been around the Western Hockey League for a long time and has a uh, wealth of knowledge for sure and value his opinion. And, man, you look back at preseason rankings, I, I can only speak for myself, but it really feels like I vastly underestimated the Victoria Royals and overestimated the, the Vancouver Giants. Uh, but in my own defense... Victoria is a lot different right now than they were at the start of the season or in the preseason. Uh, and, uh, you know, I give credit to uh, for general manager Cam Hope for uh, making changes and, and adding players to that team. Uh, I think he's uh, he's done a terrific job once again. All right, let's get to a couple of uh, 2020 draft spotlight segments. And uh, first we're going to head to Wisconsin, and uh, Dylan Holloway is going to be my guest. He's going to join us via the Troubled Monk hotline. Freshman with the Badgers and uh, ranked uh, ranked by everybody as a uh, first-round pick. And uh, some have ha even uh, pegged him as a potential top-ten guy. Get to know Dylan Holloway next here on the Pipeline Show. McKechnie won it. Left half boards. McCarr skates down the boards to the corner. Stops up there. Then got around a defender to the side of the net. Cuts in front. Shoots and scores! <laughs> Took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Dale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck. 
This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we are going to flip on the switch for the 2020 Draft Spotlight. And uh, my guest today is a NCAA college player, and that means it's a NCAA campus report segment brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family that is is exploring all of their options, need to know what uh, they need to do uh, to maintain their NCAA eligibility, well, College Hockey, Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in touch with uh, Mike Snee or uh, Nate Ewell, and they will point you in the right direction, answer any questions that you might have. Uh, and my guest in this segment is a uh, Canadian who is playing south of the border at uh, Wisconsin, Dylan Holloway, uh, one of the uh, top-ranked players in the draft uh, this year. He's my guest right now. Dylan, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Oh, a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again. Actually, I, I chatted with you a bit in, here in Edmonton when you were at the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup, but uh, I don't expect that you'll remember uh, back then. So it's great to catch up with you once again. And uh, and uh, this season for the for the Badgers, well, you tell me how things have gone. It seems on paper you, the win loss record seems to be you know kind of a win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Uh, in your mind, how have things gone for the Badgers? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. Our, our team's got a lot of skill. We've got a lot of, a lot of great players. We've just got to figure, figure out a way to come together. Uh, we learned a lot in the first half, which was, which was really big for us. Um, yeah, you kind of said we win one, lose one. So, uh, we're just kind of learning how to like bear down and win both games because you only play two games a week. So you got to bear down for both of them. So yeah, but it's going really good so far. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great program, great guys. So I'm having a blast here. Coming off a split against Ohio State and getting ready this weekend for Michigan State, who swept you uh, just last month, actually. Um, so got to be hungry to get back at it against uh, the uh, Spartans. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, they swept us. So that obviously doesn't leave a good taste in our mouths. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're looking. We're looking to. Uh, we're looking for some set, for some success this weekend. Uh, on a personal level, how have you felt the way the uh, the season has gone for you? I mean, you're a guy who's used to putting up a lot of numbers, and I know as a freshman at college, sometimes you kind of got to feel your way a little bit. It's uh, tough to be a rookie once again. Uh, eight points so far this year, 19 games. Uh, in your mind, how have uh, things gone? Yeah, I think things have gone pretty good. Uh, obviously, like you said, like the numbers aren't really there right now, but uh, it's, it's a different level. It's a way higher level than last year, so. Uh, just getting used to the pace and everything is a, is a big uh, big difference. But I think things have been going good. You know, been getting lots of chances, so I just gotta learn how to bear down and put the puck on that. Is pace the biggest uh, adjustment you have to make? I mean, obviously you're going up against bigger, stronger guys uh, than you were in the AJ, so I imagine that's that's something to to alter your game a bit too. Yeah, definitely. Well, it is definitely faster, but guys are way bigger and stronger, uh, way older too. So you gotta kinda, gotta adapt to that kind of game where you gotta play fast, but you also gotta play strong. So. All right, Dylan Holloway from the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And uh, Dylan, I was telling you before we started, it's basically a profile on you, so I'm going to ask you some generic questions. I know the answers to most of these, but uh, we'll uh, kind of ask you the same questions we ask everybody that's uh, in this position to being a draft-eligible player. And not everybody that's hearing this will know who Dylan Holloway is, for instance, uh, the casual NHL fan that, that doesn't pay much attention to junior or college hockey. So, uh, let's start with uh, the the simplest one. Where are you from? I'm from Bragg Creek, Alberta, just outside of Calgary. Bragg Creek, uh, and I know you played your uh, junior hockey in Okotoks, and all kind of uh, in the same neck of the woods. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's about I don't know, 45, 50 minutes away from Bragg Creek, so it's pretty close to home. Awesome. Uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Well, I think I started in the league when I was five, but I think uh, there's a picture of me and my dad. Uh, on the outdoor rink when I was about two with the skates on. So. All right. Is uh, Dad the one who got you into hockey at an early age? 
Yeah, he was. He got me in pretty early. So. Uh, now, have you always been a forward? Yeah, always. Okay. Any particular reason why being a forward was right for you? I mean, some guys move around and, and might play defense, and some heck, sometimes the guys throw the pads on when they're a kid too. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't know. Like I've I've tried different positions, but I've more been a forward my whole life. So I don't know. I just think uh, I, know, I like the action you get playing forward. So. That's a big reason why I decided to play forward. And you played uh, two parts of three years, a couple of games in the HHL uh, as what, probably a 15, 16-year-old uh, when you're still mm-hmm. in, in midget. But uh, getting to play in the HHL and, and that close to home, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was really good. Okotoks was a great fit for me. You know, uh, The coaching staff there and the whole program there is just unbelievable. So uh, it was really good for me. They put me in a lot of good positions, gave me a lot of opportunities. So I'm grateful for my opportunity. And uh, my two seasons there. And you played uh, with Hockey Canada in the past as well, the U17s, U18s, uh, the Holinka the, uh, Gretzky Cup. Jeez, my voice cracked there. The Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, up here in Edmonton a, a couple of years ago, a couple of summers ago as well. Um, so what's that experience like when you get to represent your country on, on the international stage? Oh, yeah, well, it's a huge honor. You know, anytime you put that maple leaf over your chest, you uh, just, it's humbling. It's very, you know, it's a big honor. So, uh, that was a pretty cool experience, and uh, those tournaments I've been lucky enough to be a part of have been unbelievable. And the World Junior A Challenge uh, a couple of times as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I did two World Junior A Challenges. Those were awesome, too. Uh, first one was in Nova Scotia, so uh, it was pretty cool. It was the first time I've ever been out east, so ah. that was really cool. Where was the second time? Uh, second time was uh, in Bonneville. Well, that was was that the really cold year, or was that the year where it wasn't as bad? I know they Bonneville hosted a couple of years, just two or three years apart. One of them was like, well, like it is right now here, minus 40-ish. Yeah, no, I don't, it wasn't that cold. It was still pretty cold, but it wasn't minus 40. Okay. Dylan, for folks who have never watched you uh, play a single uh, a minute of hockey, how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, I would say I'm probably like a skilled power forward. Uh, I like to play with speed, but uh, I also don't mind throwing the body every once in a while. So uh, I don't know, I just kind of try and combine the two a little bit. No, I got you listed at six foot and about 195 pounds. I think Central Scouting's list uh, just has you at uh, 203. So uh, are are those numbers up to date? Just over 200 pounds? Yeah, just over 200 pounds. So is that weight that you've put on over the course of this season? Um, no, actually, uh, it's the weight I put on over the summer. I kind of just maintained it. Now at school, that's one of the advantages of going to college or lots of time in the gym. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, we work out two, three times a week, so. Uh, they're pretty hard workouts too, so it keeps you in shape and makes you stronger. Do you feel that change on the ice? Does it allow you to do things that maybe you didn't do before, or just do things better than you did before? Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think it helps a little bit with strength. But I think the big thing is is uh, I don't, I don't you just feel more like more fresh, you know? Because like uh, playing in junior, playing like sixty games a year, like, there'd be some games where you're just dead from the start. Right. Uh, it, it's, but like only playing two games and working out throughout the week, it helps you freshen up and. Uh, uh, helps you recover. Like you have, you have a long shift, and you can come to the bench and recover in a minute, two minutes, and then you're good to go back out there again. Opposed to like being tired the whole game. So, Dylan Holloway, forward with the Wisconsin Badgers, is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And uh, Dylan, I have to ask you about uh, you, you were uh, drafted by the Everett Silver Tips in the uh, WHL Bantam draft, and uh, I don't know at, at the time of the draft if you had already decided which way you were going, if you were going the college route or not, but um, take me back to the Bantam draft day. For a lot of guys, that's a, that's a big day. What what did it mean to you? Yeah, well, uh, like obviously I was hoping to get drafted, but uh, I, know I told teams I was 50-50 going into the draft, like whether I was going to go to the Dabber or NCAA, so uh, going to Everett was good. Uh, I liked Everett. I went to Everett for a camp, so 
it was a good experience there, but I just decided to keep my options open. And then uh, uh, once I visited Wisconsin and uh, came down here, I knew this is where I wanted to play. So I'm happy I kept my options open, but uh, like nothing against Everett or anything. They're a great program, great team. I know they're doing well this year too. So uh, yeah, but I just, I just loved uh, the whole campus here at Wisconsin and the coaching staff and everything. So that's why I, I chose NCAA. Now your dad, who uh, got you into hockey, is a former WHLer. Played in uh, Montana, one of those rare guys who uh, got to play for the Big yeah. Horns and played for Regina and Brandon as well. Um, was there any sense of uh, following in his footsteps and going the WHL route? Or, I mean, was he totally on board with you going the college route? Uh, what were those conversations like? Oh, yeah, he was totally on board uh, with uh, going the college route. He, he was the one who was actually insisted on me keeping my options open. Right. Uh, he told me that when he, when he was playing, he had offers to go uh, play Div 1, but he just had his heart set on the dub. So uh, looking back on it now, he said he wished he like, like explored more options just because uh, there's like more great spots out there. So um, he wasn't like he wasn't uh, saying that the WHL is a bad league or anything. He just said, keep my options open and just find the right spot for me. So Well, and why is Wisconsin the right spot for you? I mean, you're a highly touted guy, so I'm, I imagine you had uh, your pick of the litter, so to speak. Um, why was uh, being a Badger and playing for Tony Granato, why, did, why was that the right fit? Yeah, well, the, the coaching staff we have is incredible. You know, we got Tony Granato, Mark Kuziki, Mark Strobel, mm-hmm. all three Badger alumni, uh, just great guys, great coaches. Um, the facility we have here, like our rink is unbelievable. Uh, our, our gym working out at, like that we work out at is pretty, pretty special too. So, and then I just love the campus as well. So I just, I know once I visited, I knew this is a spot for me and this is a spot I wanted to play. Uh, there are some other Canadians on the team or at least a couple, uh, other Canadians on the team. Uh, maybe, geez, is it just you and Wyatt? Yeah, just me and Wyatt. Wow. So do you give, uh, you know, guys like Caulfield and, and Turcotte the gears now that the Canada won the, the, the gold at the World Junior? Or is that maybe too touchy of a subject? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't really cheer him about that. That's, uh, might be a little bit too touchy of a subject. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, you went to the camp, obviously it didn't go your way this year, but you've still got time on your side and, and probably uh, be in the mix uh, more next year. Um, but the camp experience uh, to, to go to the World Junior Camp, uh, what did that mean for you? Yeah, well, it's just special to be invited to the camp. You know, I was very honored to be invited to the camp. So that was a really cool experience being there with so many good players, so many highly touted prospects. It was, it was pretty special, too. You know, just going on the ice and watching what they can do is pretty awesome. So uh, that camp was really, really special. and. Uh, something I'll never forget. You said you learned a lot already in the first half of the season. What else are you trying to add to your 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 your, uh, your box of tools of and in, in the second half and make sure the Badgers go deep? Uh, yeah, I just want to do everything I can to help the team win. You know, uh, I got to work in my defensive zone a little bit, so I've been really bearing down on that and trying to be a better 200 foot player. Is the draft uh, on your mind much? Hard, probably hard to get away from it, uh, especially when you're, you know, ranked tenth overall now here by NHL Central Scouting. But I talked to a lot of players on this show, and well, half of them will say they they don't think about it at all, and the other the other half will say, no, I want to see where I'm ranked and, and kind of enjoy that experience. Uh, which camp are you in? Um, I don't know. I, I see all the rankings all the time. It's kind of hard to get away from it now, with social media and everything. But uh, yeah. I try not to think about it too much. You know, I think when you overthink things, that's when you kind of gets in your head but uh, I know there's nothing I can do to control it except for how I play so I just worry about I don't know just how I'm playing how the team's doing that's a big thing for me Southern Alberta guy were you a Flames fan growing up yeah yeah I was always a Flames fan all right well any anybody particular in the organization that you grew up uh, not necessarily idolizing but uh, do you see yourself in in any particular NHL guy that you try to pattern yourself after um well I'd probably say like a guy that I idolize and want to play like probably is uh, Jonathan Taves. You know, sure. he's just a 
great leader, great leader, super skilled, uh, great 200 foot player, and he's one of the most valuable players in the league. So uh, definitely look up to a guy like him. Good pick for sure. Dylan, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend against Michigan State and the rest of the season with the Badgers. Uh, I hope we get to chat again. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Here's Dylan Holloway, freshman with the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, uh, Holloway ranked uh, 10th in North America by NHL Central Scouting and HockeyProspect.com just put out their updated January uh, ranking. Came out on uh, the 16th, which uh, was yesterday technically, but I believe it was actually uh, released this morning on the Friday. Uh, Holloway comes in 15th, and that is uh, overall, so not uh, just singled out as being North American. Uh, really talented player. I liked him a lot at the Holinka Gretzky Cup in uh, 2018 when it was here in Edmonton. Thought he was a standout. And uh, I was hoping, but I wasn't surprised he didn't make the uh, the World Junior Team this year just as a, a young player. He's got time. He'll, I'm sure he'll be on the club next year, and we'll see what he can do. But uh, a little surprised the offensive numbers aren't uh, greater for him so far at Wisconsin. Uh, but we'll see what the second half looks like for Dylan Holloway. Another guy who's up for the NHL draft is going to join us next on the Troubled Monk Hotline. This time we're going to U.S. High School. Blake Biondi, who plays at Hermantown High, looks like he's headed to join the uh, Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs of the NCAA. Uh, but the Edmonton Oil Kings also hold his rights uh, up here in the WHL. So we'll talk to him about all of that and the draft next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnik with a fake shot and he goes... The other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnik. Pashnik with a shot. He scores! Four down! Princeton Pashnik! Are you serious? Hey, it's Princeton Pashnik from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. We are back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to keep the 2020 draft spotlight on. We go from a conversation with Dylan Holloway in Wisconsin to my next guest who's playing uh, high school hockey in his hometown of uh, Hermantown uh, in Minnesota. And uh, his name is Blake Biondi. Uh, Blake, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you today? Thank you very much, and I'm doing well. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Um, tell me about this season so far for you and uh, for your club in Hermantown. And uh, just going by the stats numbers, I think you're having a pretty good season. 46 points in 15 games so far. At least that's the most up-to-date numbers I have. Yeah, that's uh, that's correct. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're playing well right now. We're playing really good hockey. I think um, we've got a, a really tough schedule this year, like, once again. And, um so far, I mean, we're kind of getting into the grind right now and then the tougher games in our schedule, and we've done a pretty good job. I mean, we had a little stretcher with three ties in a row and against three really good hockey teams. But, um, 
Yeah, we got a big win last night against uh, Greenway, our, our, our section rival, and they beat us last year to go to state. So playing really, really, really well right now. And as a team, yeah, like we're just, we're just feeling good and, and just moving forward right now. So. And what about for you on an individual basis? I mean, you had 55 points in 25 games last year. You're, you have you're three points per game pace right now this season. You're wearing the C. I can't imagine you could have uh, picked up a, you know, scripted a better season for you, uh, at least so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm feeling really, really good right now. I think I have, uh, two really great line mates to play with right now. I think that's really helping. And, and, uh, about with one of our, one of the best D men in the state and Joy Pierce. So, I mean, um, it, it's, yeah, the, the, so far individually, I've, I've felt great and putting up good numbers. I think I'm, I'm playing well every game. So that's just really important for me. Now there's junior hockey across, well, I'm in Canada. So there's junior hockey across Canada. There's junior hockey in the States, but high school hockey in Minnesota is such a different beast compared to everything else in either of our countries. For somebody who is not familiar with it that might be hearing this interview, talk about high school hockey in Minnesota and just how different and how unique and special it is. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, it's extremely unique. And like you said, it's so special for me. And, and uh, a lot of the guys that chose to come back and play high school again for you know their junior or senior year. And so, I mean... I think it's just for me growing up, like with my best friends playing, playing hockey with them all the way up, and and I mean good hockey too at a, at a high level. And for me, it's just that's so special. And and playing for your community and your school and trying to get to the state tournament every year, it's it's, it's second to none. No, yeah, I think it's just it's just second to none. I love our development and and our youth is great. And just growing up playing against uh, the same kids and 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 playing with the same kids, I mean it's it's awesome. So. It is very unique, and you know. And I mentioned the numbers when you have 46 points in 15 games. I think a lot of people would look at that and say, "Well, that it's got to be too easy for him. Why is he there? How is he not going to a, a higher level? And and would it be better for his development playing at a higher level?" I'm sure those are conversations that you have, you know, with your parents and with your uh, your representatives. Why was coming back again this year the right the right thing for you to do? Yeah, I mean, I think when people say it's uh it'd be too easy and it's really not honestly when you look at it I mean it's definitely um it's like I think it's just a different level of hockey I mean it's not that it's too easy it's not at all I mean it's tough because I think for me it's it's actually it's almost not harder but it is hard it's extremely hard at the same time because sometimes you're going to have two three guys draped on you all night and and there's not a lot of space out there for you because you're getting double teamed or on the power play they're just just they're they're having one guy cover you the whole time so you're not open a lot so I'm learning about a lot of different things and uh fighting mentally through just frustrating frustrating things and and I guess just yeah I mean doing my thing and and uh not focusing on the noise or where I should be or where I could be at a higher level I think if I go out and play my best and then practice every day really hard and, and push myself and then I'm going to be getting better no matter what so now, you did play a couple of, well, seven games last year with Sioux City and, and 10 already this season. Do you go back and, yep. to the USHL at the end of the season, at the end of the uh, the high school season as well? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's the plan right now to go back after uh, hopefully, yeah, like March March 8th or something like that after the state tournament's done. So, yeah, that'd be the plan as, as of now. Blake Biondi, my guest, he's uh, playing high school hockey in uh, in Hermantown, uh, Minnesota, and uh, you're one of the players that I like to get in this this part of the show is our 2020 draft spotlight. I always like to get guys who are eligible and kind of uh, let my audience get to know players that are in your situation, and uh, casual fans might 
I mean, they might not be watching a lot of high school hockey and might not know who Blake Biondi is. So let's get a bit of background uh, on you, Blake. Uh, I mentioned you're from Hermantown. Uh, just how special is it to get to get to play that close to home in front of friends and family? Yeah, I mean it's extremely special. It's just the reason I came back to come come play high or to play hockey here. And and uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's just you you can't have you can't have these years back. And I think that's just extremely important. And I think I can play. There's just a lot of uh, a lot of fire from last year and a lot of things the things to prove I think so that was um something that I obviously took pride in and came back and I think it's awesome playing in front of my friends and in school how uh, how early in your life did you start playing uh, I know Minnesotans a lot like Canadians I imagine uh, you're almost born with skates on yeah probably uh two or three so I mean really really young uh, and have you always been a forward Blake yes always been a forward growing up um yeah never really never really played defense always just like scoring uh, I know uh, a lot of kids, especially when you're, you know, six or seven or something, you got to take your turn and put the pads on and play a net. Did you uh, have an experience yeah. like that too? Yeah, I did. I think in uh, that was in might might one and might two. That's when we ended up having, yeah, like I think it was everyone had to put a, on a on the pads for like one or two games in the year. So that's when that's when I was probably like seven or eight or six or seven. So how'd that go for you? You know, I thought. <laughs> I thought it wasn't too bad, but I mean, I just don't like getting puck shot at me. I like the ones I like shooting at the goalie. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot more fun uh, scoring the goals and uh, then getting hit. With oh the, yeah, with the frozen rubber. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Blake Biondi. Yeah. Blake Biondi is my guest here on the pipeline, showing the 2020 draft spotlight. Um, is the draft something that's on your mind much? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously there, and and you can't ignore it. But I think just. Um, I've always been good at just ignoring the noise and, and focusing on myself and how, how my team's playing. So it's there, but I, I try not to think about it too much. Do your uh, your teammates, uh, you know, when Central Scouting's list comes out, do, do they send you notes? Hey, you're 91. Yeah, I think some of the guys did, and I mean, it was both mixed responses, but yeah, they were all they were all happy for me. So teammates can be funny like that. They'll they'll give you the gears about it and call you a show guy or something like that. But it's all in fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all fun. I mean, those are my best friends and. And yeah, some of the guys were, were giving me crap, but it was, yeah, it was, it's cool. They're they're happy for me and excited, so I'm I'm really happy. They, they support me great. Now I know uh, Duluth is your uh, college destination of choice, and get to play yeah. for uh, Scott Sandlin, and uh, you know I think Dylan Sandberg is a Hermantown guy who's who's there right now. So uh, certainly uh, following the footsteps of some good players, one of which is also your dad. Your your father played uh, for the yep. Duluth Bulldogs once upon a time. So was that part of the attraction of of uh, committing to Duluth? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was I was young, I was 15, and I, I think um, obviously you take a lot of things into account, and, and you know you're going to be leaving home if you go somewhere else, or or I mean, obviously it's college, but I think just growing up, I, I've always wanted to be a Bulldog, and I've, I have seated tickets there since I've been five. So I mean, I've I've, I've always I've always wanted to kind of be a Bulldog, and obviously there's a lot of Hermantown guys. They've always got a Hermantown guy on the team. And right now, I think there's two or three, and and um, yeah, I just I've always I've always wanted to be a bulldog, and I def- definitely looked at other at other options and other colleges. But when it came down to it, it was always in my gut that I uh, I was going to be a bulldog, and definitely uh, not looking back on that. So. And what's that about ten minutes away from home? Yeah, I think Amsterdam was about a ten minute drive from my house. So. Uh, all right. Well, I have to ask you because uh, I told you before we started that uh, I'm up in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oil Kings of the Western Hockey League happen to hold your rights, and I just I have to ask uh, if the the Western Hockey League is a consideration <laughs> for you. This is a team that you know is vying for a, a top spot. Well, they are in first place in the Western Hockey League right now, and next year they're supposed to be even better. And 
with players like Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther, guys who are, you know, first round eligible players. And next year, Gunther could be a top 10 player. Getting the, having the opportunity to play with players like that, is that of interest to you? Do you at least consider it? Yes, yeah, so it's obviously there. I mean, um, like, I, I, it's interesting because, because there's so many different options in hockey, but, um, as of now, yeah, just, just looking to be a bulldog so far, so. You can attend uh, WHL camps without it affecting your NCAA eligibility. Is that something that you would consider? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably consider if I was reached out and and uh, people talk to me, and, and I think I'd, I'd obviously discuss it with my parents and my agent, but uh, I don't think I'd I have to do that right now. So. All right, fair enough. Uh, Blake Biondi is my guest, uh, standout forward uh, right now with his hometown team in Hermantown, uh, Minnesota. When you're looking at the draft and you got the NHL combine and things like that coming up, what are some of the, you know, between now and then before the draft gets a lot closer, some of the things you're trying to adjust in your game, uh, things, areas that you need to improve on, you think the most? Yeah, I think, uh, playing in high school, um, there's some things I can kind of get away with, like little details in the game and definitely try and focus on that every night and, and being good in my own zone and, and uh, just being hard in pucks and, and reloading on the forecheck and just stuff like that, I think I've um, maybe not struggled with, but I think playing at this level right now, it's uh, sometimes I get away with it. So definitely try and focus on things like that. Central Scouting's got you listed at six foot, 191 pounds. Are those numbers uh, still up to date? Yes, that's, uh, that's up to date, yep. For those of us who have not had a chance to watch you play at all and uh, only see the, the stat line, how would you describe yourself as a player? Can you give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report? Yeah, I think I'm, uh, I'm a bigger guy that, that can be uh, really effective every shift and make an impact uh, every game with or without the puck. And I think I have uh, good offensive instincts, and I, I can score in around the net, and I can be a goal scorer and make quick plays off the back wall. And, and I guess I think my game can be in around the net and, and putting up numbers there and, and uh, just being a big guy that can play play big and, um, make an impact. Like I said, uh, no matter what, if I have the puck or don't have the puck or putting up numbers, I can always make an impact. So now your season started pretty early this year. Back in August, you got to play for the U.S. at the Helinka Gretzky Cup, uh, and this year it was back overseas. Uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, it's always always a great experience representing your country, and uh, obviously we didn't do very well, and and ended up taking six, and it wasn't uh, anything. We were shot away from getting into the into the semis, so we're in a shootout with Sweden, and we end up not being able to get in. So it's really frustrating, and it sucks. But um, it was obviously a great experience, and um, definitely memories we'll never forget, and a lot of a lot of great friendships. It's a big showcase event, though. Lots of scouts there. Were you conscious yeah. of that? I mean, you tried not to think about it, but again, like the draft itself, pretty hard not to think about it when you see all the black, uh, all the guys dressed in the black coats, and they got the clipboards out. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something like it, it, there's so many people there and so many, I mean, NHL scouts. And then it's obviously a, probably the biggest stage um, for the draft. And so it, it was it's hard, but at the same time, you're, you're trying to, you know, compete for your country and, and just try and be in the present. And, and I think um, I did a pretty good job of that. Now, there's a, another showcase event, except you won't get to play in it this year. The All-American game used to be at the start of or at the end of September. Uh, now it's uh, moved to, to January, and it's in the USHL, but it's just the U.S. development team against 20 USHL players. So you don't you don't have that opportunity this year. Is that a bit yeah. frustrating for you? I mean, in years past, it would have been high school guys included in that, North American Hockey League guys, and some CHL guys as well. 
Um, so you don't get that chance this year. Is that a bit frustrating? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously frustrating, but uh, it's obviously nothing I can control either. And totally, uh, I mean, yeah, it is frustrating just because, um, yeah, I didn't play in the USHL, but I, 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 this was my decision to come back to high school. And like I said, I, I can't control it. So um, I guess uh, it's just one game when you look at it, and I think I'll be okay. Now, if you decide to uh, continue on to Division One and, and play for Duluth and somehow pass on the Edmonton Oil Kings opportunity, uh, <laughs> when, when would you be going? Are you able to go next year, or is it the year after? Um, it, it depends. I think right now, just uh, they have some extra forwards, and, and it depends on if uh, a few of the few of the guys sign NHL contracts. So um, they only have one senior forward right now, so it kind of just depends. But um, we're still talking about it, and they're they're really, I guess, active right now and, and looking at me and, and what's going to happen, but nothing for sure. When it comes to the NHL, uh, are you a Minnesota Wild guy or? I actually cheer. No, I'm mean, I'm a Minnesota Wild guy, but I'm I'm more I, I cheer for the Chicago Blackhawks. I like they're my favorite team. So interesting. Anybody on the on the Blackhawks in particular that you're a fan of? Yeah, I've always been a fan of a fan of Kane, and don't play like him at all, but just just the way he <laughs> plays and carries himself is it's crazy. So I just love watching him. Is there a player that you think you do kind of have similar traits to, or at least you think maybe once you get to that level, you could be similar to? Yeah, I think uh, in a way, maybe Mark Scheifele, just, you know, a bigger guy that can that can skate well and, and score goals, and maybe someone like uh, Kyle, Kyle Palmieri, just kind of a shooter, and like I said, big guy, but good around the net and, and can score, so. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Blake, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, that was terrific. Enjoyed the conversation a lot. Certainly wish you the best of luck. Uh, down the road and hope we get a chance to chat again. Yes, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, thanks for uh, calling. Here's Blake Biondi of uh, Hermantown. Uh, I believe they are the Hawks in uh, Hermantown with the high school program there and uh, also property of the uh, Sioux City Musketeers. Played a little bit with them this year and last year in the USHL. The Edmonton Oil Kings own his uh, WHL rights, uh, but it looks very much so like he is uh, headed to the University of Minnesota Duluth, uh, just 10 minutes from his house. And growing up a Bulldogs fan and second generation a Bulldog, if he continues going the college path, uh, is pretty much what everybody expects. Uh, intriguing player, though. Just over six feet, already, uh, you know, over 200 pounds and putting up huge numbers, although it is high school. And that's that's the delicate balance. How do you compare uh, high school hockey with junior? And, uh, and most people would argue that uh, you got to take those numbers with a bit of a grain of salt, but intriguing player nonetheless. Uh, up next, the uh, final segment for this week's episode, Keanu Yamamoto, uh, the former Spokane Chief, Spokane native, who is uh, now making use of his WHL scholarship and playing at McGill University out in Montreal, and one of the top scorers there, now in year three with McGill. You can hear from him next here on the Pipeline Show. Comes back out to Yamamoto at the point. Goes over to Ellenick, right circle. Now Smith at the point. Yamamoto, left side, shoots and scores! Tyler Yamamoto tees it up and scores! And the Chiefs win it here in overtime! Hi, this is Kyler Yamamoto for the Spokane Chiefs, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. 
The store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we wanna give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. Last segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show. We are going to have a U-Sports update uh, as we're like to talk about U-Sports uh, hockey here on the Pipeline Show. It's the uh, next natural step for a lot of players who have played in the CHL to go on and use their scholastic package from whichever of the three leagues that they played in. And uh, my next guest played in the Western Hockey League for four years with the Spokane Chiefs, uh, his hometown. Speaking with uh, Keanu Yamamoto of the McGill. Well, I was going to say the Redmen, but the uh, name changed. No new name yet. Uh, so he's uh, playing for the McGill men's hockey team. How about that, Keanu? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Kano, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, uh, tell me about the season so far for uh, McGill, uh, looking at the standings. Um, not that far behind the uh, the front-running teams and uh, a big weekend coming up. But how how have things gone for for your club? Uh, yeah, I mean, we battled a little bit of adversity in the beginning of the season. We had both our captains out, but uh, it's a new year, and I'd, I'd say we're trending upwards with everyone back from injuries and stuff. And uh, so big weekend uh, coming up. You got Ottawa and UQTR, uh, the two teams that you're chasing or trying to track down uh, in the standings. Uh, um, how have you fared against those clubs so far this year? Um, we have not really. I think we've only played UQTR. Once this year, okay. uh, I don't remember the score. Uh, I think uh, it should be a good game. Ottawa, um, yeah, they're a good team, so we have to bring our A game. But we beat them; they beat us. So it's just really who comes to play, I guess. Uh, third season for you at the U Sport level. Uh, all of them, obviously, at McGill. Uh, you have 17 points in 19 games right now. You had 21 points each in the previous uh, two seasons. So more production for you this year. I guess that's kind of just natural. You've been at this level now for three years. Uh, yeah, I mean, you always want to progress as a player, and uh, I think I've uh, took the right steps to do that. What led you to McGill? Uh, interesting, because I, I look at the roster, I think there's only one other WHL guy, one, only one other American, that's Dalton Galley, and he just joined the the team right after uh, starting the year in the ECHL. Um, so what led you to McGill? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not uh, normal for like the West Coast guys to come over here, but I thought I wanted to travel, like uh, see the world a bit, and uh, I heard it was a good school. So just talking to them, it seemed like a good fit for me. Was it a, a an easy transition for you? I mean, you're an American guy. You, you grew up playing, well, in the States, obviously, and, and uh, spent your WHL career in your hometown. But then you go across the country into another country, 
that doesn't speak English primarily. I guess it's bilingual, but uh, the, I, I'm guessing there had to have been some sort of uh, culture shock there. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely a little bit different here without uh, everyone speaking English. But I mean, being on a hockey team, it makes it a lot easier to uh, adapt over here because I mean, that's just how hockey teams are. You become really close with your teammates pretty quick, and uh, I'd say that happens. So. Did you know anybody on the team when you first got there? Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I knew really well a mutual friend, and I was able to uh, exchange some texts with him about the school and talk to him. But uh, besides that, I didn't know anyone. Interesting. Uh, and uh, leading up to your decision to go to McGill, I mean, was there something academically that that made that the right uh, the right the university for you, or what are you studying? Uh, yeah, definitely just hearing, uh, like the reputation of the school and stuff. And then, uh, I mean, that's kind of what led me here is just hearing how good of a school it was and then, uh, getting out of, uh, the West Coast a little bit. Sorry, I missed it. Uh, if you, if you said what you're studying, I missed it. The phone kind of cut in and out there. Oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, I'm in the arts program here going for a major in economics. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Uh, Keanu Yamamoto is my guest here on the Pipeline Show, four-year member of the Spokane Chiefs now in uh, year three at McGill University and uh, having a pretty strong season there, second leading scorer on the team. Look back uh, for a minute at your time in Spokane, uh, or at least your time in the WHL with uh, the Spokane Chiefs and uh, the memories that stand out for you. Uh, when you think back, what immediately comes to mind? Uh, about the Spokane Chiefs? Yes, playing in the WHL. Um. I think looking back, the first thing that comes to my mind is all the friendships that I made. Uh, I was there for four years. Uh, I've got to live at home, and I met a lot of cool people. And I think uh, keep those friendships the rest of your life. So definitely looking back, uh, my WHL career, that's the first thing I think of. Now, your brother, uh, Kyler Yamamoto, obviously uh, was uh, a member of the, the Chiefs with you. The age difference between the two of you, I think it's only a couple of years. So did you... Did you get to play hockey with each other as uh, youngsters, like growing up, minor hockey, or was it was that Spokane the first time you had that chance? Uh, yeah, actually, we played a couple times when we were younger. Um, they would my parents would always try and get him to play up uh, on my team since it was only two years. So like, um, like how minor hockey works. Sometimes you're playing with people that are you're younger, and sometimes you're sure. playing with people that are older so yeah. when I was playing with people that were younger they'd try and get him moved up so that uh like the travel and stuff was a little bit easier on them so I mean I think I got to play with him twice when we were growing up okay. so that was pretty cool was one of those times with the uh, junior kings in LA we didn't play together for the junior kings but okay. we did live in the same billet house uh with a family they live in uh Awesome people, but they both got to live there together, and they have three kids, so it was a it was a good experience. Okay, uh, so I, I'm guessing then getting the chance to play with your brother in Spokane, in your hometown, with the Chiefs at the WHL level for a number of years, uh, that had to have been pretty special. Yeah, it was really special. I mean, it was something that uh, I couldn't really pass up. I kind of made it just at a camp. Uh, Kind of like a fluke accident almost, but um, he told me that he was for sure going to play there, so I uh, decided not to 
go the whole American college route so I could get a chance to play with him. So it was awesome. Well, I know both of you had been drafted by USHL teams, different ones, but um, was part of the attraction to go to the WHL route? As you said, I mean, it's almost like uh, Kyler convinced you to go to the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, um, when they offered to sign me, it was uh, it was kind of hard to pass up. Like your hometown team, grew up watching them, and then uh, my brother is uh, like high on their prospect list, and they told him pretty young that he was going to have a spot. So it was a pretty hard uh, opportunity to pass up, play in your hometown like that. Uh, Keanu Yamamoto, uh, formerly of the Spokane Chiefs, now with McGill. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show in this U Sports Update segment. Uh, tell me how the WHL and your four years in that league prepared you for this next step in your career. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it's one of the best leagues uh, in North America. So the hockey-wise, uh, for sure, it got me ready for my youth sports career, but, uh, you know, like the I think it helped me grow as a person, and that's what uh, really helped me transitioning into uh, university life. It was a change from just uh, not doing anything all day, just worrying about hockey to come in here, and then you have to live on your own, go to school. So definitely uh, those four years, like, Travel at the U Sport level a little bit different than riding the bus in the dub and you know driving down to Portland or up to Prince George or over to Edmonton or or uh, uh, Prince Albert or Brandon. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot less. Uh, I think the longest trip we do here is maybe ten hours, and we do it like once a year. Yeah, but uh, in the dub that was pretty normal. I mean, Port, I mean, Tri-Cities is the closest two and a half, but outside of that. We'd have to drive at least five for Seattle or six for Portland, so it's a lot better travel schedule in esports for sure. Now, when uh, when it comes to the uh, WHL scholarship package, uh, for the uh, the casual fan who's listening to this might not know the ins and outs and, and how it works. Um, how has it worked for you to go to McGill? You get a year of uh, tuition and, and uh, books paid for, um, but is it easy to use? Like, is it uh, is it complicated, or has it been a pretty easy? Uh, a program for you to take advantage of? Oh, it's uh, it's really easy to take care of. I mean, uh, you just like fill out a sheet and you send it to one of the WHL reps. His name's uh, Greg Gardner, and then he basically takes care of it for you. I mean, it covers my full uh, semester tuition, and I mean my full year tuition, and uh, I don't really have to worry about that, which is nice. So I just got to worry about buying groceries and paying rent up here. But that's about it. Uh, just out of curiosity, the Edmonton Oilers were through Montreal here uh, in the last little bit. Did, did you and uh, and Kyler have a chance to uh, reconnect? Yeah, he actually uh, he had a day off here, so we got to uh, go to dinner, and uh, that was nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome to see him. Awesome. Well, Keanu, listen, I really appreciate your time today. I wish you the best of luck uh, moving forward, and I, I assume when you're done at the U-Sport level, you're looking to uh, continue playing your uh, uh, your hockey career and uh, moving on to pro hockey? Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, to play hockey as long as possible, so we'll see what happens. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Keanu. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. There is a Keanu Yamamoto from the uh, McGill. Well, I was going to say it again. I was going to say the McGill Redmen, but they uh, like the 
Miami Redmen in the NCAA, they are undergoing a name change, kind of like the uh, North Dakota Fighting Sioux. Uh, everybody changing the names to get in line, and I have yet to hear that McGill has settled on a name. So for now, they're still the men's hockey program at McGill University. Started that uh, conversation off. Sometimes, you know, I, I call guys and I chit-chat a couple of minutes before we get going, and, you know, it might be some jokes, just to try to get them comfortable. Uh, I think... I don't know for sure, but I think I may have woken Keanu up when I called him. Uh, so even my uh, my little opening joke there really bombed. Oh, well. That's the way it goes. Uh, but I appreciate him making the time, and uh, I appreciate the folks at McGill setting that interview up. And with that, that is the end of this week's episode of the show, and uh, that means it's time to crack open a, a beautiful, this one, a, a daycation from Troubled Monk. Looking forward to... <sighs> oh, that is delightful. Again, all guests joining me here on the Pipeline Show join me courtesy and via the Troubled Monk Hotline uh, Brewery based in Red Deer, Alberta. They have uh, tours of the brewery available if you uh, want to stop by. you got to book those in advance, though, but uh, recommend it. Go check it out and try some of the brew. And if you go to your local liquor store and they don't have Troubled Monk, raise a fuss. Say, what the heck? Get some Troubled Monk in here. We need some ASAP. So we want to try the Golden Gates or the Pesky Pig or the Bucktooth Belgian White, the Open Road American Brown Ale, the Troubled Tea, or this beautiful daycation that I'm enjoying right now. Awesome stuff, and thanks to Troubled Monk for coming on board with the Pipeline Show. Next week on the program, more of the same as we'll have a continue on with the 2020 draft spotlights. Uh, I'm sure my NCAA guest will be a Canadian player. Hopefully uh, I can track one down that has just recently, recently been named to the Hobie Baker list of uh, like 80-ish nominees. We'll keep going around and across the CHL and bringing you more of the future of the NHL. That all coming up next week. A reminder, if uh, for those who haven't signed up yet, you can be a patron of the Pipeline Show, and that'll give you access to these interviews two or three days before the final show comes out. Uh, most of these interviews I did on Wednesday. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Friday. You might not listen to this till Saturday or Sunday, whenever you get around it, you download it or it automatically downloads for you. But by the time you listen to it, it might be you know three or four or five days since the actual interviews. Well, patrons of the show can have access to the interviews about an hour, maybe half an hour sometimes, after the interview has actually been completed. I upload it, edit it all down and put it together and upload it to, to the Patreon page. What's that? Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. That's where you go. You get all the information. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes. And you can have early access as well. Between now and next week, get out, watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week right here on The Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Guy Flaming. See ya.